a student, a soldier, a rhetorician, a general, an exile, a lover, a drunk, a spy, a pirate, and a statesman. This week on Footnoting History, we discuss Alcibiades, the bad boy of the ancient Greek world. Born in the mid-5th century BCE, Alcibiades rose to power only to lose everything, rise to power somewhere else, and then lose everything again. In a period where social standing and identity meant everything, Alcibiades was a chameleon. From 431 to 401 BCE, Athens and Sparta waged a violent war for supremacy in the Mediterranean Sea known as the Peloponnesian War. The alliance of the Greek city-states fractured after the success against the Persian Empire during the Persian Wars of the early 5th century. The Peloponnesian War was a war between conflicting views of Greek society and the role of the Greeks in the Mediterranean. Athens, the democratic naval superpower, was expanding its political and economic authority, eventually bringing it into conflict with the oligarchic military superpower Sparta. Alcibiades thrived in the chaos of war. He would remake himself, rising to power in not only Athens, but also in Sparta and later Persia. Plutarch describes an anecdote of the young Alcibiades when he was accused of being a biter during a wrestling match as a young boy. The accuser cried out that Alcibiades bites like a woman. Alcibiades corrected his opponent, insisting that he bites like a lion. Plutarch used this anecdote to illustrate the duality of Alcibiades, his ruthless pursuit of success on one side and his rhetorical excellence and persuasiveness on the other. Alcibiades considered himself a man meant to rule and was not afraid to show it. The problem for Alcibiades was that he was an Athenian, and Athenians rejected rulers as tyrants. Now, to the modern ear, tyrant comes burdened with connotations of oppression and abuse. We often think of tyrants as military dictators who oppose the will of the people. Greek tyrants, however, relied on the support of the masses for their power. Their ability to rule relied on their capacity to influence the people through wealth and rhetoric. Alcibiades belonged to the Alcmaeonids, a family known for its association with tyrants. And yet Alcibiades had a charisma that attracted many of the top men of the age. From his youth, Alcibiades was noted for both his beauty and his intellect. He was a favorite of the philosopher Socrates. Known for rejecting wealthy men who wanted to study with him, Socrates actively sought out Alcibiades, trying to divert him from spending too much time on meaningless luxuries with fellow elites. According to Plutarch, Socrates even saved the life of Alcibiades in battle. Pericles, who led Athens through the early stage of the Peloponnesian War, served as a mentor and protector to Alcibiades following the death of his father. It was after the death of Pericles that Alcibiades attempted to assume a position of leadership in Athens. The brash young man was popular with most Athenians, raising the ire of many elites who feared the young man's popularity could lead to tyranny. The leadership of Athens threw their support behind Nicias, an older and more conservative Athenian general. While Alcibiades hoped to renew the conflict with Sparta, Nicias promoted policies of peace. In 415 BCE, after a brief period of peace negotiated by Nicias, the potential for expansion occurred when an Athenian ally in Sicily claimed that the Syracusans had intervened in the politics of their city, disrupting democracy. Nicias argued against sending help, noting the high cost as well as the fact that this seemed to be an opportunity for a certain young man to gain power and wealth, a young man whose, quote, personal preening might put the city at risk, and who, quote, embezzled public funds for their private extravagance. It was an unsubtle reference to Alcibiades. Thucydides 
noted that the, quote, general public became wary of the excesses of his unconventional and hedonistic lifestyle and of the huge ambition apparent at every turn in all areas of his involvement. They thought he was aiming at tyranny and turned against him. Despite this, Alcibiades was unrivaled in terms of strategy and command. Thucydides, an exiled Athenian general in his own right, noted that it was by alienating Alcibiades that Athens lost the war. Alcibiades, the gifted rhetorician, knew that he couldn't argue against Nicias. Leading the Sicilian expedition would bring Alcibiades great wealth and power. So Alcibiades agreed with Nicias to a point. Athens was a city of individuals and celebrated individual achievement. Alcibiades argued that when he won awards at the Olympic Games, he brought honor on both himself and the city. Given his later efforts to support Athens, even after his eventual exile, it is likely that Alcibiades truly believed that the success of Athens was tied to his personal support and success. Alcibiades went on to argue that Athens did not make allies so that they could help defend the city. They had allies to fight their enemies. This is how empires were built. Alcibiades went on to attack Nicias for being old. While the old man might have won his honor and glory, Alcibiades believed it was time for a new generation to make their name. Alcibiades carried the vote. Athens would go to war with an army commanded by both Nicias and Alcibiades. The assembly believed that the ambition and aggression of Alcibiades would be tempered by the caution of Nicias. But shortly before the expedition, rumors began to spread of Alcibiades. Rumors of sacrilege and profanities. Rumors of defacing religious statues. Rumors that weakened his standing with the people. Charges were brought against Alcibiades. But orders publicly argued that it would be better to wait until after the war than to rest the judgment. Alcibiades, concerned about what might happen while he was away from the city, demanded an immediate trial, but his request was denied. His concerns proved to be justified when, after leaving Athens, a courier ship caught them and demanded that Alcibiades return to Athens in order to stand trial. With all support away at war, Alcibiades knew that his trial would be fixed and instead fled to Sparta. It's hard to imagine the extravagant Alcibiades and the harshness of Sparta. In Athens, Alcibiades was known for his luxurious lifestyle, wearing expensive clothing, eating expensive food, and serving as a patron to the arts. All things looked down on in Sparta. But once in Sparta, Alcibiades developed a reputation for his fervent adoption and devotion to the Spartan lifestyle. He ate the black bread and drank their broth. He abandoned the expensive clothes of Athens and donned the simple cloak of the Spartans. He abstained from wine and pursued the physical and military prowess that defined Sparta. Alcibiades became a powerful advisor to the Spartan commanders. He provided intelligence on the Sicilian expedition and helped with the construction of fortifications near Athens. And yet, he was still Alcibiades. Aegis II was one of the hereditary monarchs of Sparta who served as commanders of the Spartan military. Plutarch writes that after Aegis II had been away for ten months, his wife, Timia, gave birth to a son, Leotychides. Once again, rumors swirled, these rumors claiming that the queen made no secret of the child's father, Alcibiades. When Alcibiades received word that his life was in danger, he fled to the only remaining power that could protect him, Persia. Upon arriving in Persia, Alcibiades adopted all the trappings of a Persian elite. He advised the Persians to support both sides in the war in an attempt to prolong it. Once the war was over, no matter who won, Persia would face a severely weakened opponent. 
Alcibiades added that Sparta, already claiming themselves to be liberators of the Greeks, would unlikely submit to the Persians. It was perhaps the genius of Alcibiades that he was constantly able to align his personal interests with the kingdom or state he found himself in. He provided loyal service to the Persians, and yet he still dreamed of Athens. The war took its toll on the democracy of Athens and eventually led to its suspension. An oligarchy briefly overthrew the democracy. Under the rule of an oligarchy known as the 5,000, Athens invited Alcibiades to return. But Alcibiades rightly believed that any return to Athens depended on his ability to influence policy on his own terms and not as a client of others. He fled from the Persians, taking their money with them, and proceeded to attack the Spartans, returning with the wealth gained from his time in Persia and, for, and harassing the Spartan navy. Alcibiades returned as a hero. However, his return proved to be short-lived. A little over a year later, a defeat in battle forced Alcibiades to once again flee his city. He fled to the Persians, seeking help again against the Spartans. The Persians chose to support the Spartans, giving up Alcibiades in the process. The accounts of his death vary, but they agree that he died in 404 BCE, likely betrayed by the Persians. Alcibiades was a contemporary of Thucydides and Plato. Both men wrote about him extensively. He was prominent enough to be the subject of one of Plutarch's famous biographies. Certainly, Alcibiades is one of the youths that the Athenian elites accused Socrates of corrupting. But what is he to us? In a way, Alcibiades is a metaphor for the histories written in the ancient Greek world. Herodotus, Thucydides, and Plutarch were more concerned with the moral of history than getting the facts right. They were more than willing to alter their narratives if it meant providing a better story. What we see with Alcibiades is that this flexibility with portraying events extended beyond the realm of drama and history and could, in fact, serve as a guiding principle for life. This has been Footnoting History. If you like the podcast, be sure to visit our website, footnotinghistory.com, where you can find links to further reading suggestions related to this week's episode, as well as a calendar of upcoming podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at History Footnote. Until next time, remember, the best stories are always in the footnotes. See you next week!